You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's unending help in Ramah B'Shemesh Israel 5769-2009. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Tetzaveh. We find something very interesting in this week's Parsha that we don't find in any Parsha all the way starting from Shemos, from Exodus, the beginning of Exodus, all the way to the end of the Torah, we find that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses' name is mentioned consistently in every single parsha. The only place, the only parsha that we find, and the only Torah portion that we find that his name is not mentioned is only in this week's parsha, in Parsha's Tetzave. Our sages explain what's the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu's name was left out of this week's parsha. So they say as follows. They say in next week's parsha we're going to learn the story about the sin of the golden calf. This unbelievable, mind-boggling sin that the Jewish people did. They betrayed God's trust. They betrayed that relationship that they just created, that they just forged with God. And they created this golden calf. And Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses was up there on, on Mount Sinai and Har Sinai, talking to God, receiving the Torah from him. And God says to him, I'm going to destroy the Jewish people, and I'm going to make a new nation out of you. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, you can't do that. Uh, you have to save the Jewish people. And he, and he goes on and on, begging God to forgive the Jewish people. And he says, if you don't forgive the Jewish people, him ayin, says Moshe Rabbeinu, if not, erase me from the book that you've written. So our sages tell us that even though Hashem listened to Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem forgave the Jewish people. And he did not need for any reason to erase Moshe's name because he forgave. He listened to Moshe's taina, to what Moshe said. Nevertheless, when, when a tzaddik, when a righteous person says something, even if he says it with a condition, so no matter what, it has to be fulfilled. For example, we find by Yaakov Avinu, he says to Lavan, he says, Lavan comes looking for his idols and, and Yaakov says to him, there's no idols in my house. No one in my, my family would take your idols. If you find someone who has your idols, they'll die. So Lavan did not find the person who had the idols. The idols were in the possession of Rachel, of Rachel. But nevertheless, since Yaakov Avinu, our forefather Jacob, said these, these words, he said that the person who has the idols should die. So the words of a tzaddik, the words of a righteous person, they can't be annulled, even if they're said with a condition. Same thing with Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu said, if not, if you don't, uh, forgive the Jewish people, so I want you to erase me from your book. I want you to erase me from the Torah. So, because he said that, so Moshe Rabbeinu would have to be erased. And therefore, he was erased. He was erased from this parsha, from Parsha Tetzaveh. Now, my Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzchak Frankel, who had a ninth grade many years ago, so he wrote a beautiful sefer called Machat Shalyad, the needle of the hand. And in this book, so he asks the following question. He says, what's the understanding of it? Why is it? It almost sounds like it's a punishment for Moshe Rabbeinu. He's getting erased from the Torah in a certain sense. Here he was doing his best to, to speak on behalf of the Jewish people. And God, in fact, acquiesces to his, to his desire, to his request. And God forgives the Jewish people. So why is, why is Moshe Rabbeinu seem to be punished and that his name is removed from the Torah? Also, we need to understand why is it that he's removed from this parsha, Parsha's Tetzave. What do we have in this week's parsha? We have it's talking about the Big Day Kahuna, the special clothing of Aaron HaKohen, the Avoda, part of the Avoda, the service that he did. The Kohanim did. Why was Moshe Rabbeinu's name left out of this Parsha? What's so special about Parsha's Tetzavah? These are the questions that my Rebbe Rabbi Frankel asked. Now to bring up the answer to this question, I'd like to share with you a Gemara that we learned recently in the Daf Yomi. And it's a very beautiful Gemara. And the lesson I think from the Gemara is very powerful. The Gemara tells us that King David, David HaMelech, was on the battlefield. And he had a very important halachic question that he needed to be asked. And he sent a delegation of some soldiers to go ask the Sanhedrin, the great rabbis of his generation, the great high court, to find out what the answer would be to his question. And so these, these soldiers went, and they put their lives in danger, because it was a very dangerous situation that they were in. 
And they put their life in danger in order to ask this halacha question. They came back with the answer to King David. And the Gemara describes how when King David did as they as he told him to do, he did not say over the halacha in their name. Now, in general, the concept is that we're supposed to give over the words of the Torah that we hear or the words of halacha that we hear. We're supposed to give them over in the names of the person that we heard it. If you hear it, your rabbi says, very nice drush, a very nice word of Torah. So if you tell it over at your Shabbos table, so there's a, there's a concept that we're supposed to say it over. It's actually very interesting because we learn it out from the story of Purim. How do we see it in the story of Purim? Because in the story of Purim, so... Queen Esther, so she tells to Ahasuerosh, to King Ahasuerosh, that there are two people who are planning to kill you. Big Ton and Teresh, these two uh, officers of the king were planning to kill. And so Mordechai overheard them plotting their assassination attempt. And he told it over to his niece, Esther. And Esther made sure to, to get the information to Ahasuerosh. And indeed, when she said it over to Ahasuerosh, she said it over in the name of Mordechai. So in the end of the story, so because they pulled out the books, when, one night when Ahasuerosh was in the middle of the night, he couldn't fall asleep, they pulled out the books, they read over the story, and Ahasuerosh asks, was anything good done to this Mordechai who had saved my life? And they say, no. And then Haman comes in, he wants to ask Mordechai to be hung up on the gallows. And in fact, so Ahasuerosh right now wants to give something good, do a favor to Mordechai. And it ends up the whole salvation begins to be shown at that point because of the fact that Esther Hamalka, Queen Esther, had said over the fact that Mordechai was the one who revealed information that there was an assassination attempt upon the king. So from there we learn that when a person says over something in the name of the person he heard it from, so it brings a geula, brings redemption to the world. That's the concept. So the question is why, in regards to King David, why did he from, from that point on, even though he had heard this halacha from these people who risked their lives in order to get the halacha, nevertheless, he did not repeat it over in their name. And the Gemara says that the reason is because that he had learned from Samuel the prophet from his mentor, that when somebody risks his life for Torah, when someone risks his life, puts his life in danger in order to learn words of Torah, let's say, so we don't say over halacha in their name. So there are different explanations. What's the understanding? Why we don't say it over in their name? But the beautiful explanation that I heard, the Org Dalyo says, in the name of the Chidushe Harim, that when somebody risks his life for Torah, so what's he doing? He's showing, he's totally being mevatel himself. He's nullifying himself completely. He's showing that the only thing that's important to him in his life, the only thing that really matters is the Torah. To the point where it's almost more important than his own life. Of course, we're not supposed to sacrifice our lives for the Torah. That's not what the intent here is. But there is a concept of, The Torah can only last in somebody who kills himself over it, who makes it more important in a certain sense than his own life. We find it says in Pirkei Ovis, in the ethics of our fathers, what's the way of the Torah? Eating bread, very measured amount of water. This person is supposed to sleep on the floor. He's supposed to live a life. You're not supposed to completely deprive yourself. But a person has to be ready to sacrifice luxury in order to properly learn the Torah, in order to properly find the level of spirituality to properly connect to Hashem. Because you can't really have spirituality and physicality if a person's constantly chasing after luxuries, constantly chasing after all the physical needs of the world, he can't properly take care of his spiritual needs. That's the idea. But in any event, coming back to what we were speaking about, the idea is that in regards to somebody who sacrifices for the Torah, that is an ideal. A person who sacrifices for the Torah shows that the Torah is a higher thing for him than, in a certain sense, his life itself. As we said, this doesn't mean a person's supposed to sacrifice his life for the Torah. 
But it does mean that a person has to have an ideal that the Torah is something greater, something that I can devote myself to on a greater level than even on a personal level. And now what happens is, because of this, he explains the Orgadayo in the name of the Chadush Ha'irim, what happens is that when a person sacrifices for the Torah, he's mevazal himself, he nullifies his own personal ego in regards to the Torah. So no longer is the Torah going to be said over in his name. Why? It's not a punishment. It's not because he has done something wrong, but rather it's because now that he's made himself battle, he's nullified himself to the Torah. So when something is said over, something that he has said, the halacha, the word of Torah that he has said, when it's said over in his name, it's not said over in his name. Because he has now become a part of the Torah. It's said over as part of the Torah. That's what the Gemara says at the end. It's no longer said over in his name. It's dedicated to Hashem, the Gemara says. It's dedicated to God. because, And what that means is it's said over as if it's something that was said from God himself over to Moshe, over to Moses at Sinai. It's something that it goes back to the source. When a person nullifies himself to the Torah, he shows that he doesn't need the attribution. He doesn't need it to be attributed to him. He's much happier if it will be attributed to the Torah itself, to God himself. Wow, the word that I said, I was able to tap in to the divine, to tap in to the ultimate, to the infinite even. I once had this story happen to me, not a major story, a small story where the song that you hear at the beginning and the end of all of these Parsha podcasts, it's a beautiful song, it's called Karibon. So it was a song that I was Zohar, I merited that Hashem sent through me. I composed this song a number of years ago. I put it on a CD that I put out. Actually, it came out on a few different CDs. Recently, it's being sung by a few different groups that are interested in singing it. And there are many people that sing the song at their Shabbos tables on Friday night. Many, many people, many yeshivas sing it. And Baruch Hashem, it's a simple song, a beautiful song, and it's really merited a lot of popularity. And every once in a while I'll hear a story, someone will come to me, tell me a story about the bone that they heard it in a certain place, or that they heard it a little differently than I wrote the song, which is also fine by me. Or I had a group of Bachram tell me that they came to a, to a family, an Israeli family up in the north, and uh, they were there for Shabbos on a Friday night, and the Sephardi family was singing their Sephardi tunes, and the the Bacharim, these young these young men, so they were singing the Ashkenazi tunes that they were used to, and they couldn't find a song that everyone really knew. But finally, they started my Karibon, and the Sephardi family and the Ashkenazi Bacharim young men, they all knew the the, the song. Beautiful stories, but one of the things that I love is when people will be singing the song, and they won't even know that I wrote the song. Because what that means to me is that the song got so far that people don't even know where it came from. And I love that. It's just, it's a beautiful feeling. But anyway, so I was talking to a certain person who's very involved in, in music. And I told him that, you know, I told him exactly this thing that I just told you, that, that I love it when people tell me that they don't even know that it's, this is my song. And this guy, he's very involved in music. He couldn't understand. What do you mean? How could you not appreciate when, when uh, people recognize that it's your song? People, wouldn't you rather that people appreciate that it's yours? That it's attributed to you? And he just couldn't get it. But, but the idea is that when you become part of something greater, this became a song that's a traditional song now. This is a song that everybody knows. People don't even know where it's from. They think it's from 50 years ago. They think it's this classic song. That's a much greater thing. You become part of something greater. And that's the concept over here as well. The concept is that when a person 
totally nullifies himself to the Torah. So he becomes part of something greater. And it's not attributed to his name. And it's not something that's going to disappoint the person that's not attributed to his name. It's going to be something that's great for that person. Because he showed that that he doesn't care about his own ego. He cares more about the Torah. He cares more about the fact that the truth be found. And they're willing to risk their lives in order to bring the answer to King David, what he should do in this halachic question. They're willing to, to risk their lives. And King David says, in such a case, we don't attribute it to the person who brought it. It goes back to Hashem himself in a certain sense. Now, coming back to our Parsha, the question that we asked was, that Rabbi Frankel asked, and this is really his answer as well, that why is it that Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, erase me, Hashem, I would rather that you erase me than erase the Jewish people. Right? So his condition wasn't fulfilled, so then why does he get erased? And the answer that I think has become clear is that, what was Moshe Rabbeinu saying? Why was he saying, erase me? He was saying, God, there's something greater here. There's a greater picture. You have to forgive the Jewish people. You have to, I'd rather be erased. Forget about me. What, you want to make a new nation out of me, Moshe Rabbeinu says? I'm not interested in that, Hashem. It's your honor that I care about. The Jewish people, you took them out of Egypt. You're going to destroy them here. They're gonna, people are going to say, the whole world is going to say, God couldn't bring them into, into Israel. That's why He destroyed them in the, in the Midbar, in the wilderness. No, Hashem, for your honor, erase me. I'd rather you erase me than erase the Jewish people. Moshe Rabbeinu recognized that there's something greater here. He was willing to erase himself. And his reward was that he was erased. His reward was that they have an entire Parsha, which is the Parsha of Tetzaveh, that there's not a single mention of his name. Because here it goes straight to the source. So here it goes straight to God himself. God is speaking through the mouth of Moshe. He's saying, Atat Tetzaveh, he doesn't say who you are, because it's not necessary here. Because there was a nullification of himself that he experienced, that he was able to teach us with, that it's a greater thing to nullify oneself to God, to, not, to nullify oneself to the Torah, to nullify oneself to a greater cause. And that's how one indeed creates a name for himself. It doesn't have to be a name on an individual level, but he creates a connection to something greater. And it could be, I was thinking, that this also connects to what the parsha is talking about. The parsha is talking about the Big Day Kahuna, the special clothing, the special garments that the Kohanim, the priests would wear. And one could always ask a question in regards to the, the Kohanim's clothing. What's the significance of the clothing? Why do they have to wear something special? So the Kohanim, they would wear four garments, the regular Kohanim. The high priest would wear eight garments. Why do they have to have these special clothing? What did it signify? So we all know about the fact that the postman wears his special clothing in order to signify that he's a postman, he has a certain job, and the policeman has his garments that he wears. So of course, the, the Kohen also represents something. But the concept of clothing in this context is that a person becomes part of something greater. If a person is a policeman, so he's part of the police force when he wears this clothing, whereas when he's in his civilian clothing, so he's not a policeman in a certain sense. When he's wearing his clothing, so he's part of a greater force. He's looked upon with a greater respect. So to the Kohanim, the priests, so when they would wear their garments, so they were part of something greater, they were part of the kahuna, part of the priesthood serving God, completely mavata themselves, nullifying themselves in a certain sense to God. And when they became, when they stepped into those clothes, something greater, they were looked upon with greater respect. And now they are serving God. Now they are the Oved Hashem. They're the ones who are standing, they're walking into the temple, into the Mishkan, the sanctuary, to serve God. Such a person, he's been mavatal himself in a certain sense, he's nullifying himself to a greater cause. Now he's not a, a single coin, he's not a, an individual coin. They join their voices together, and they all bless the Jewish people. And together their voice as one says, Hashem, Hashem should bless you, and He should protect you. And that was the, that's the message of the Kohen. That's the message of Parshat Tetzav in a certain sense. And that's why perhaps Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses' name is left out of the Parsha because it's right here that we see that a person can be 
vital himself. He can nullify himself to something greater and thereby connect directly in to something higher, which is the service of Hashem, the service of God, the service of Torah. I want to bless you and me and all of us that we should all be able to look higher, to be able to see something greater. Of course, to have an individual accomplishment that's a beautiful thing, but to realize that there's a greater accomplishment that we can that we can have, which is by being part of the Jewish people, by being part of a nation that devotes itself completely to Hashem, completely to our relationship with God. Thank you so much for listening. Have a very beautiful Shabbos. Yeah.